You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Blue Jays reporter, Gregor Chisholm. And Gregor on the podcast. First of all, it's good to be back with you after about a month away from doing these extras podcasts because of the postseason and stuff like that. But we're going to get into the offseason, kind of dig into it, what the Blue Jays need to do, what they hope to do. Um, and, and that all starts with an offseason that's important because of all these free agents. This is a team that's been so successful the last couple of years, obviously getting to the postseason, not getting to the World Series. And now you look at all these guys, nine free agents, including the big two, Encarnacion and Batista. I think the thought process has kind of been that they'd, they'd rather keep Encarnacion if possible, with the chances likely they can't keep both. Do you still get that vibe that he's the guy they'd rather be able to hold on to? Uh, no, no question about it. Although I think the dynamics have changed a little bit since the beginning of the off season. You know, they they made an aggressive attempt to try and sign him early, and uh, you know you can't blame Encarnacion for wanting to test the market and see where his value goes in, in the in the coming weeks. And uh, you know I think that's why the Jays made a quick strike to get Morales, but doesn't necessarily completely rule out uh, an Encarnacion return. But it does make it kind of difficult to envision because if you have Kendris Morales playing every day at designated hitter, that means that when Encarnacion has to become the, the everyday first baseman and, and he showed that he could do that last season, but I still think there are some long-term question marks there. He's dealt with some, some back issues, some leg issues in the past. Uh, whether or not those would resurface when playing every day at, at first base, I think is the big question mark. But between the two, he's still obviously the big bat. Uh, that you'd rather have even over a guy like Jose Batista, just because, I mean, you look at him right now, he's probably the prime uh, offensive target for, for most teams out there, and, and obviously his value speaks for itself and what Edwin Encarnacion has done with for the Blue Jays for, for a very, very long period of time. He's one of the most consistent sluggers in the game and has been for, for quite a while. The thing that could really end up stinging, I feel like, with Encarnacion is the fact that if he doesn't end up back in Toronto, there's a decent chance he ends up with a division rival, whether it be the Red Sox or or the Yankees, and that would kind of be worst-case scenario, I think. You mentioned Kendrys Morales, three years, $33 million uh, for the 33-year-old. Back-to-back solid seasons in Kansas City, uh, 22 homers and a really nice average a couple of years ago, and then 30 home runs in 2016, the average and on base dropped a little bit. Um, He's 33, but you would think for a guy that's going to DH three more years, he should still be fine. I I don't think there's any concern about that contract length. And a slugger that can hit 30 home runs this day and age for $11 million a year seems like a pretty solid move. Yeah, it it does seem like a pretty good deal, and especially if the Jays got the sense that they weren't going to be able to retain Edwin Encarnacion, it it makes plenty of sense to, to want to strike early. Three years at, at 11 million per for for Kendris Morales is is a, a nice value deal there, and he's put up some strong numbers at Kauffman Stadium in, in, in Kansas City, and I think the Blue Jays would, you know, the, the numbers he's put up there, I think the Jays would be happy if he's able to maintain that. Uh, but of course, you can always talk about, you know, even the possibility of a potential uptick uh, moving to a hitter-friendly park like Rogers Center. So uh, there's a lot to like there. The, the one curious part of it is that it does lock in, you know, every day at bats at designated hitters, so it does provide 
provide some clues, I think, as to what the Jays' intentions are. But, you know, I think they have so many holes to fill right now. They saw an opportunity to strike early at what they considered to be solid value, and uh, they didn't want to wait around because I don't think they were confident that if they didn't get a deal done, that that three-year $33 million for Morales would be enough to get it done, you know, a few weeks from now when uh, the market kind of settles. You think about other guys uh, that, are, that are possible adds to this team, and obviously the outfield is certainly a key. Uh, the rumors that you're starting to hear, Josh Reddick, he's a guy who's a free agent, obviously. Jay Bruce would be available uh, via trade. Um, the Mets will probably not be in a hurry maybe to trade Bruce, depending on how everything else shakes out with Yohan Cespedes as far as they go. Um, but are there any other guys that you think of on this market that make sense? I guess the good news for the Blue Jays is this is a market that is is light on pitching but is pretty good when it comes to bats. Yeah, absolutely. And and one name I, I think, you know, I do think it is a long shot, but I think he fits exactly what the Jays need. And it's no surprise it's a guy like Dexter Fowler. Uh, you know, he's he's the kind of guy who could fit in perfectly with that lineup. And, and Ross Atkins has been very open about the fact that he wants this team to become a little bit more athletic, a little bit more speedy, uh, and more left-handed hitting as well. And, and, and Dexter Fowler kind of checks off all of those boxes. I think that's going to be a, that would be a difficult move for the Jays to actually try and get in there with serious negotiations. But uh, you know, he's a candidate. Uh, Josh Reddick, I think, is one of the main guys to watch here as well because he kind of fits into that Kendrick Morales mold where you might be able to get him at, at a relatively affordable deal. He's not someone who's going to require five years uh, on term. Uh, you might be able to get him on a three-year deal, and he's someone who's been linked to the Blue Jays for a long time now, uh, You know, back in the Alex Anthopoulos days with the Blue Jays, but then also, again, this past trade deadline with, with when Atkins was in charge. So uh, there's been a known interest there, and I think that's certainly something that's worth monitoring uh, because of the fact that the Jays also need those corner outfielders and the left-handed bat in Reddick would, would fit in nicely as well. The Jays were quick to sign Morales and also quick to – Sign Lourdes Gurriel Jr., a seven-year deal, $22 million, and that number is sounds like a you would think uh, could be a, a good discount-type price, depending on what happens, although he could end up being into the arbitration system. You never know. But here's a kid, 23 years old, obviously, uh, from Cuba. His older brother signing with the Astros during the season. His older brother was major league ready. Uh, it seems like the consensus is that Lourdes Gurriel still needs a little bit of time maybe in the minor leagues. Is that the thought process for the Blue Jays, or could we see him at some point in 2017 in Toronto? I think for the most part, this is going to be a development year for him. Uh, you know, this is a creative way for the Blue Jays to to really kind of boost up the upper levels of their minor league system. Um, you know, it's going to take a while for this team to, to kind of rebuild and overhaul its it's prospect base, uh, especially when you're trying to contend. That's easier said than done. But this is a way to, to do it and spend a little money. You know, uh, kind of similar to the way the Blue Jays bought Francisco Lariano and a couple of top prospects from uh, the Pirates at the trade deadline last year. They were able to use money to boost the system then, and, and they're trying to do it here as well. And uh, you know, it's certainly an interesting candidate. Uh, you know, he's going to start off, I believe, at, at shortstop. But I think long term, uh, most people seem to project him as, as maybe. Uh, you know, a corner infielder or potentially a corner outfielder, and he brings all kinds of athleticism, and it's a high-risk, high-reward type deal, but those are the type of moves you kind of have to make when you're trying to contend while also uh, trying to keep an eye out towards the future as well.
Yeah, and you have to give credit to uh, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro because obviously they got to the system right when a lot of the young talent had been traded away. And most teams would, would think it's going to take some time to build up that minor league system through the international market and through the draft. But they've been able to, like you said, do it a little bit quicker with some creativity. Um, one more thing um, as far as the major league roster goes, a three-year offer for Brett Cecil, um, I guess, is out there. I guess the best mm -hmm. thing to say the biggest question I have about Brett Cecil is who is the real Brett Cecil? Because it seems like a real Jekyll and Hyde situation where this guy is either absolutely lights out or really bad at times. Yeah. And, and to a certain extent, that is Brett Cecil. That's the Brett Cecil we've, we've come to know over the years because he has that almost every single year. I mean, it, it was really noticeable last year with, with the awful start he got on, got onto and, uh, you know, he came on strong again in the second half. We saw it the year before that as well, where he didn't allow a single earn run in the second half of the season and, uh, you know, was easily one of the best relievers in the game. And his first half wasn't as bad as it was this year's first half, but it still wasn't that great. Um, so we've seen that up and down from him. And sometimes his, you know, command and velocity will, will go away and then come back. He's a really tough case to figure out. But when you look at the whole body of work over the last four years or so, he really has been a, a very underrated middle reliever, and, and the Jays really desperately need to figure that out. And uh, you know they need a, a solid left-handed uh, reliever, either Cecil or someone to replace him. And then they also need to add at least one or two right-handers. And so if they can find a way to get Cecil locked up, there's no really alternative within the system to take over that primary lefty role. I, you know I think it would be a good move for them to do that. And, three years might be a little bit longer than, than you'd normally want to go on a guy like Brett Cecil because of that inconsistency, but uh, it's three years is, is probably what you're going to have to do to get it done. I mean, he's just had enough success over the years, and the market is, is high enough for relievers right now that, that a three-year deal is just probably the minimum of, of what it would take to get a deal done. One more question for you, Gregor. Uh, obviously, the Blue Jays have already been busy this offseason, but we know that the winter meetings is when things really take off in general as far as the hot stove season comes. First week in December coming up outside of Washington, D.C. Generally, um, what is the, and I guess generally we would have to look back one year as opposed to a, a deeper history with the Blue Jays because of the, the newer front office. But what do you think Shapiro and Atkins, what's their approach when they head into a winter meetings? I think they're going to continue to look for these kind of low-risk, uh, kind of medium-sized reward-type uh, contracts, kind of the ones that you've seen Kendris Morales uh, sign with the Jays, similar to what the Toronto did last year with Jay Happ on that three-year deal. Uh, that worked out very well for them, but was heavily criticized at the time. I think those are the type of kind of mid-level free agents that they're going to target, uh, guys who they can get on relatively short term. I don't think you're going to see this group right now make a really bold move and hand out uh, a five, six-year deal uh, to a free agent, and I don't think you're going to see them make a major move in terms of adding uh, a big-name player that's going to that's going to cost a lot of prospect capital in return. I think they're going to try and use the resources they have at their disposal right now, and, and they have some money to spend, uh, but I think they're going to kind of evenly distribute that throughout the roster as opposed to uh, making a big splash like you would kind of see uh, a team make uh, wherever Edwin Encarnacion and, and maybe even a guy like Jose Batista ends up this offseason. All right, this has been MLB.com Extras, our Blue Jays edition for Gregor Chisholm. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week.
MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.